I'm Dan King. I work on staff here at Parksville Fellowship Baptist Church with the youth and the young adults. And if you're visiting for the first time and don't know that, I want to say welcome to you. It's great to, uh, to see you this morning on this last day of the summer. Ouch. School starts tomorrow. Uh, for some of you, summer will continue until summer ends, but school starts Tuesday. And so this, a lot of you as students are like, summer's done. It's terrible. It's going into the fall. Uh, milk today for all it's worth and tomorrow because the schoolmaster cometh uh, very soon. I got a friend named Darian. Ten years ago, I was 29 and he was 18 and we had connected a few times prior. Uh, probably the best time we had spent together was uh, just, just south of the border uh, in the mainland down on the ocean and there had been a beached whale there and it had for whatever reason beached and died and was in a some state of decay, enough so that most of the skin was gone and it was just a lot of blubber. And so we went for this, this walk just to get to know one another. I had flown out from Lethbridge to, to Delta at the time to meet with him, to get to know him for a few different reasons. And we had sticks uh, and we just were playing with the, as we walked down the, the beach and then we found this whale and as two guys, just to sit and bond while poking blubber on a dead whale was one of probably the best memories I have with this guy. It was amazing. Ladies, you are horrified right now. Guys, you're like, oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, and, and that's probably one of the best memories I have of Darian. Darian's taught me a lot over the years. And we were at a conference in Calgary one time, and we were both uh, sitting in this session. It was summer, and summer in this room, for some reason, the air conditioning wasn't working. It's like the hot summer evenings and mornings here in this room. There's no air conditioning. And so some mornings it's hot, and you just need to leave and go for a bit of a walk. And Darian had done that earlier in the morning and during the session. And I decided, coincidentally, that I needed to go for a bit of a walk to get some fresh air as well. And there was some real important person whose name I just cannot remember 10 years later uh, at the front of the room talking about ministering to youth and being a youth pastor and, and all this kind of stuff that was really heady and important and life-changing. But I wanted some fresh air. And so I left that behind and I went into the foyer of this hotel we had been meeting in and saw Darian there. And so I went up right away. He was uh, standing by some couches and there was an employee of the hotel uh, doing some cleaning, neatening the couches. And it appeared to me that Darian and this, this guy were just kind of small talking. But I had some points of, of business that I had to chat with Darian about. And so I thought I would just kind of walk up and kind of say hi to the gentleman from the hotel and engage Darian in an actually important conversation as opposed to the small talk. And I'll never forget it because Darian completely shut me down as I came up to him. Hey, Darian, how's it going? Hi, yeah, got some things I want to talk to you about. Darian shut me down and said, you know what, Dan? I am speaking with a new friend right now and we'll have to talk sometime later. Thanks. And went back to engaging with this hotel worker. And some of you younger people maybe are in the service industry and so you appreciate how you're sometimes taken for granted at your place of work. But Darian was a kind-hearted guy who set aside his priority from interacting with a friend to talk with somebody who at that moment was much, much more important than I was. Darian was incredibly, and is today, an incredibly kind guy. He's older now, works for Billy Graham Association of Canada with youth and young adults in this country, in this nation, and has taught me so much over the years. And we're going to come back to how Darian's story and today's story about a lady named Dorcas uh, had uh, kind of collate and, and teach some of the same stuff. But just want to rewind for a second. 
Uh, we've just finished a couple of different summer series, and we are doing the last of eight talks on evangelism and sharing Jesus, witnessing about what God's done in our life. We've been spreading them out over the last eight months. And so the last Sunday or nearabouts of every month, we've stopped and talked about this series called What's Your Style? And tonight is, or this morning is the last stop on that eight-week kind of survey of different ways of sharing Jesus and talking about what God's done in our life or is doing in our life right now. Uh, it is a series that we kind of were inspired by this friend of ours named Lon Allison. He was here uh, just about a year ago doing our missions conference last November. And he was sharing with us the fact that all of us have different personalities. And so the way we talk about spirituality, the way we talk about God in our life and how our life and God's life have intersected and been changed, it changes uh, depending on our characteristics and our personality and who God's wired us to be. And he explained to us that some of us are evangelists. Everybody say evangelists. We're going to be doing some of this, to, you know, for the kids. They can, oh, I get to participate. Evangelists. So kids, just the kids now with me. Can you say evangelists? One, two, three. Yes. Next time with more fervor. Oh, okay, here we go. It's going to be great. And, and evangelists are people who have a spiritual gifting to talk about Jesus and to lead people to God and to a relationship with God. It's a spiritual gift. Lon is one of those guys, and he explained that to us when he was here. I mean, he's the kind of guy that if you sit next to him on an airplane, you're going to find out about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're checking out his groceries at the supermarket, God is going to come up in the conversation. If you're the taxi driver who's taking him from the airport to his hotel, God is going to be a conversation. How Jesus has changed his life is going to be one of the topics that talked about, because God has gifted Lon to just talk about Jesus. We're not all gifted as evangelists. But God has called all of us who have embraced Jesus Christ as our rescuer from sin and the God of our life. He's called us all to be his witnesses. To as we're going throughout our days and afternoons and at work and at home and as we rub shoulders with people, to be witnessing to what God's doing in our life. And so the exclusivity of of evangelism as a spiritual gift but then the all-encompassing call to be witnesses to what Jesus is doing in our life to all of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, Christians. And that's how we kind of set it up. And so we thought, let's let's evangelism, this is witnesses, let's look at eight different ways that we can be wired to witness. And so we've looked at several different Bible characters, and today we're looking at Dorcas. Uh, Acts chapter 9, if you've got a Bible or have one in front of one of the chairs in front of you, you can turn to it. Uh, There's a table of contents in the front if you're not familiar with the Bible, and you'll find Acts probably three-quarters of the way down. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 9, verses uh, 36 through to 42, I believe, today. And I've got to tell you, uh, if I was in a youth setting, I would have a field day with this whole Dorcas name. But I'm not, and I appreciate that maybe there's an aunt or distant uncle, not probably not an uncle, an aunt or distant grandma or something, who is, is maybe perhaps named Dorcas, and that would be offensive. So I'm going to use her Aramaic name, which is Tabitha. I'm much less tempted by the name Tabitha. Both of them, actually together, mean gazelle. You know how your name has got a meaning? Uh, moms, dads, if you've had a little one that you've looked up in the book to find the name of your child and what it means, uh, Our children, uh, my son's middle name is Xavier, and my daughter's middle name is Zoe. And and people, wow, what do those names mean? 
uh, we're an exception to the rule. We just chose them because they sound cool. Um, but a lot of you have chosen names because there's a meaning attached to them. And Tabitha or the Greek Dorcas mean gazelle. So I mean, that can give you a little bit of a word picture uh, in your minds for some of you who are more uh, creative thinkers of what even this woman might have looked like, a gazelle. Right? Acts 9, 36 to 42. This is her story. It's a story that is full of anticipation and excitement. It's a story that's full of tragedy. And it's a story of new life and a miracle. Let's, let's, let's read it together here. I'll read it, I'll read it for you. I'm actually, uh, I'm going to read it out of the New International Version. If you pulled uh, one out of the chairs, it's in the uh, English Standard Version, but it's the same, same idea. In Joppa. Now Joppa, just hit pause for a second. Two words in, he's already talking. Uh, Joppa for a second here. This is the same town that Jonah, remember Jonah and the whale? The whale eats Jonah, spits him out uh, in the belly of the whale for a few days or nights. Uh, maybe you remember that from your Sunday school years or, or from reading lately. Joppa is the place, or Joppa is the place that Jonah ran away from God to, to catch a boat to go to this place called Tarshish. Uh, strange. It's not how you pronounce it. Just, it sounds fun when you're Tarshish. It sounds something you put on top of your sandwich, doesn't it? Pass the Tarshish. Um, and so he fled from Joppa to Tarshish, and, uh, and, and so it was on the, on the ocean. It was an oceanside setting. It was a port city, a place of industry, a lot of people coming and going. It was a hub, a center spot, and that's the same town we're talking about, the same city we're talking about. Uh, so in Joppa, there was this disciple named Tabitha, which in translation means Dorcas, who was also always doing something good and helping the poor. So you get a little picture of her character now, her heart. This beautiful, uh, means gazelle woman, loves doing good, helping the poor. Verse 37. About that time, she became sick and died. There comes the tragedy to our story. Her body's washed. It's placed in an upstairs room. Now, Lida, which is another city, is close to Joppa. And so when the disciples heard that Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, one of the apostles, one of the church fathers, was in Lida, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. And so Peter goes with them, and he arrives and was taken upstairs to the room. And all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and this other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. So Peter sends them all out of the room. You can picture this kind of happening. Everybody's weeping and wailing. There's a story with the clothing, and they're sharing it. And Peter just clears everybody out. In a real appropriate, gentle way. And he gets down on his knees and prayed. And turning toward the dead woman, he says, Tabitha, get up. And she opens her eyes and sees Peter and sits up. And he takes her by the hand and he helps her to her feet. And then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, I guess. And many people believed in the Lord, and Peter stayed in Joppa for some time uh, with this tanner named Simon. Wow. Incredible story. I'm starting to read it. Interesting name, intrigued by her, kind person. Tragedy strikes. A community is crushed. God does a miracle. And people come to understand who Jesus Christ is through it, accept him, and their eternal destinies 
are literally changed from hell to heaven. What a story. Um, I've been reading this over the last month and thinking about it, and the first week was just all about jokes I could do with Dorcas. Uh, and so after that point, started thinking about the rest of the story. And the implications about this for my life, there's some incredible stuff here. I want to look this morning at four different kind of teaching points or things we can learn that could change our life if we embrace the questions that are associated with them. Now, I realize there's no uh, note-taking paper this morning in the bulletins you maybe got, and so uh, maybe this is something that you just want to download the talk later when you get home this next week and take some more notes, or maybe you want to find something in your purse or somebody who's in front of you who's got a purse, maybe tap on them and see if they can give you a piece of paper and some notes. But four, four kind of touch points that if we embrace the questions that go along with them could radically change who we are, how we function, and how Jesus' name is lifted up in the Oceanside community and beyond. And the first one just simply starts with the first sentence of this story, and it's how they introduce our main character, Tabitha. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. Not a seamstress named Tabitha. Not a nice lady who helped poor people and had a charitable heart named Tabitha. Not somebody who's uninspectedly going to get their life hijacked in a couple days by God, Tabitha. But a disciple named Tabitha. Tabitha is a growing woman who in the couple of months or even a couple of years prior, because Jesus has just died, been resurrected, and ascended. And we're going to celebrate that in communion in just a bit. Jesus has just died and been raised from the dead and ascended and everything has changed for those who have embraced him as their God, their rescuer from sin. And Tabitha has been one of those people who has counted the cost. Probably a Jewish woman. Probably a woman who who would have had just a fine group of friends and a fine life but somehow crossed paths with Jesus Christ and everything had changed. She had changed her priorities. She had changed her commitments. Her life had been so impacted by this man, this Lord Jesus, that the direction of her life completely moved. And she was now defined by who she was, a disciple. I got this book. Uh, and, and it's a book written for students, and it's called Stomping Out the Darkness. And, and chapter one starts with a bunch of students going back to their first day of school. Right? Some of you go on your first day of school. And it says this in a narrative form. You skid into your first class just ahead of the tardy bell. That's the bell that means you're late. Uh, and grab a seat. The teacher stands and says, I want all of you to introduce yourselves to the class. Kind of like that, what did you do on spring break type assignment. Uh, Then she points her bony finger at you. (gasps) Let's begin with the latest driver. Who are you? You answer confidently. (laughs) Chris Cool. Or whatever your name is. Uh, Wrong, she says. That's your name. Who are you? start to sweat. Student body president? 
wrong again. That's what you do. Uh, Canadian? You're kind of broadening the parameters now. No, that's where you live. Um, go to Parksville Baptist Church. No, that's where you go to church. Just like that's what I just said. Get off my back. You may also answer your star quarterback on the football team or the homecoming queen or probably not both uh, and, or the president of the future NASA scientist club, wh- whatever. Anyway, you're trying to take this seriously and yet she's asking you to define who you are and what you say back to her are things you could always be changing. Some of you are aware of this Facebook phenomena and you get to name yourself on Facebook and generally you put your own name. But some of us feel compelled to change our names every second week and it's got to drive your youth pastor mad because he tries to send you messages and he can't find your name because you keep changing it. There's going to be one of our pastors here in a little bit leading communion. His eldest daughter, who I shall not name. Some of you will figure that out. Uh, is enthralled with Peter Pan right now. And so has changed her name on Facebook to Wendy, darling. Well, that's all nice and cutesy. But when I go to send her a message and I type her actual name and it never shows up, oh yes, she's Wendy, darling. What is that? Our names can change. And so that doesn't define who we are. That's just what people call us. Okay? Um, Some of us define ourselves by status or our priority in society or our jobs. These are things we can do. I could be a star soccer player on Team Canada and go to FIFA World. No, wait. Team Canada doesn't have a FIFA World Cup soccer team. Some other sport. And I injure myself. I can no longer define myself by the sport I play anymore. You see how, how that just doesn't do it. There's something deeper for identity. And Tabitha understood this. Kids, Say Tabitha with me. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, man. I don't know. You're getting a little better next time. Tabitha understood that she was not defined by what she did or how old she was or the people whose company she kept. She was defined by something much, much, much more deeper than that and something much, much more unchanging than that. She was a child of God. She had encountered Jesus and everything had been changed and she was no longer her own. Galatians 2.20 says this, for I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. The writer of that understands their identity is not in what they do or what people call them, but in who they are in God's eyes, something unchanging, something eternal and not temporal. And Tabitha understood that. And so my question to you is this. Who are you? Do you define yourselves by what you do? Or how you look? Or the friendships you keep? Because you know what? That stuff fades and dies. You can't cake it with you to eternity. It doesn't matter. This kind of word picture we use often, I think, from the, maybe the, uh, the Catholic um, stream of the church where St. Peter is at the gates of heaven and you introduce yourself to him when you get there. How are you going to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Dan. I talk in front of people and they chuckle occasionally. Point in. 
up there. Uh, no, it doesn't matter for my eternal destiny. What does matter is my name happens to be Dan King. And I've let Jesus Christ deal with the sin in my life. My relationship with God has been restored. And he is my God. And I'm looking forward to meeting him. The eternal defines us. So who are you? And I'm reading this. And Tabitha knew who she was. A disciple of Jesus Christ. And so, and so I keep reading. That, that's, that's the first thing that caught me. and caught my attention. The second thing was this. And it just continues in the same sentence. Who was always doing good and helping the poor. And talks later about making clothing for widows. And this woman knew what she was good at. She knew what God had gifted her to do. What's God gifted you to do? It might be an ability you had prior to meeting Jesus, but God has supercharged that and now given you not only a desire to do it, but a compulsion to do it, to serve others in his name. You not only do it anymore because you happen to be good at it, you do it now because God has called you to do that as a witness to who he is to other people. Tabitha was a seamstress. Maybe some of you are fantastic at making clothes. More than that, she was a servant. Romans chapter 12 uh, talks about this idea of God giving each of us some kind of a gifting. And it, it says this, we have different gifts in Romans 12 verse 6. According to the grace given us. If somebody's gift is prophesying, then let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing, contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, or another translation says doing works of kindness, let him do it cheerfully. What's the gift that God has given you to serve others with? To use for his glory? Maybe some of you guys are woodworkers. You're just good with your hands. You're good at building stuff. Call me later. I have projects for you. I'm not. And, and you've always had that ability, but you met Jesus, and the use of that ability, the compulsion to use that ability has now changed. And you don't do it as a hobby anymore. You do it as what you call a ministry. You do it in Jesus' name. You, you connect with your neighbors in order to build cabinets and bless them. Not to earn credit so they'll pay you back later. It's a gift that God has given you and now out of your identity in him, it's a compulsion to be released to do it. And you're in your sweet spot when you're doing it. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're just a natural leader. Uh, maybe uh, Lon Allison, who we talked about earlier, maybe he would have been a great salesman before he met Jesus. Maybe he could talk with people well. But Jesus hijacked that and inspired it. And now he does it out of a compulsion to serve God regardless of what he gets back for the Lord's glory. Tabitha understood her spiritual gifts and she used it. She used it. And I wrote something brilliant about that here, but I've got to find my notes because I haven't used them yet. Give me a second. Oh yeah, I put down this. She's not just a nice person. Right? She's not Canadian. She's a compelled person. She's not some person who does this because her religion demands it or because of some dogma or to impress her God. Rather, she does it out of a response to what God has done in her. 
It's completely different. She does this with joy. And so I keep reading the story. And you've got to understand there's two sides of the story. Part of the story is about lifestyle. Kids, say lifestyle. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, and half the story is about a miracle. But the miracle could never have come unless the first part of the story is told. So we're kind of focusing on this first part of the story. Um, she's kind to all because that's her gift. But she's got this lifestyle of preparing hearts to meet Jesus. And the miracle could only happen because of this lifestyle that she's got being kind. She knows her identity. She knows what she's gifted in. And she does it not only to those who are inside the church community, but also to the greater community. And we know this because we know that when she was presented by Peter back to people after she was risen from the dead, he presented her to the believers and to the widows which implies that they were not believers. How many of us love to use our spiritual gifts, love to do the stuff that God has compelled us to do out of response to what he's done for our lives just within the church community that we belong to? That is a tragedy. Some of us do it best within the church community, but if we do it exclusively within the church community, that is a tragedy. Tabitha understood that she needed to be out rubbing shoulders with the real world, serving people whose paths she crossed every day, like these widows, who she had a natural bent towards to help and serve. She was building relationship with them. I mean, they brought their clothes to Peter and said, Tabitha made this because I needed it, because my old dress or what." It implies that there was story associated. It implies there was relationship built. How many of us even know the names of our neighbors? Students, how many of you this year will know the name of your person with a locker beside you? I mean, so many of us are focused in our own little worlds. Tabitha went beyond that, knowing that these people mattered to God, and so they should matter to her. She just, she just rubbed shoulders with people, left, right, and center, and she was pouring into their lives because that's what God called her to do. And the rest was up to the Lord. And this is where the last bit happens. She understood her identity. She understood her giftedness within that identity and, and served not only those who are part of her church community, but those who are part of her community around her. And it set up God so when this tragedy happened, it could be used to bring people closer to him. Now, I don't understand why some of us have friends who pass away and we've prayed more fervently and with more passion than Peter did for Tabitha and that she was raised back from the dead. She got a second chance at life and our friends don't. I don't understand how God chooses a certain person at a certain time for a certain situation. I don't understand it. Jesus, Mark chapter 1, same kind of stuff. He's in this town called Capernaum. And some stuff's gone on. You can read it for yourself a little bit later. But the end result is that the whole town shows up at the door of the house he's staying at. They bring all the sick people in the city to him. They bring all the demon-possessed people in the city to him. That's quite a house party. Boom, boom, it's banging in there. The demon-possessed crazy people. You've got sick people lying around. You've got the whole town in there. And there's a crazy mother-in-law who's serving everybody lunch in the midst of it as well. But 
You can read that on your own. And Jesus, it says, heals some of them and casts demons out of some of them. Why not all? I don't understand. I don't understand why Peter's prayer for Tabitha, in this case, brought her back for a second chance. But because of the seeds she had sown in the name of Jesus Christ into people's lives, and because of the time she had spent investing in friends and telling them stories about God on the move in her own life, because she'd only accepted Jesus within just a little while before, the scenario was ripe for God to change lives en masse. I mean, I mean, listen to this, the end of the story. It says, she comes back from the dead. Peter takes her by the hand, helps her to her feet, calls the believers and the widows, and presents her to them alive. And this became known all over Joppa. And many people believed in the Lord because she had a lifestyle of obedience that came out of understanding her identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. It all roots back to Jesus He changed her. He changed her identity eternally. And now she's ministering out of that. We have a a vision in this church called Imagine the Impact that we're working through right now. And it's part of a five-year vision to fulfill uh, our our mission statement and why we exist as a church. And it says we're, we're choosing to impact our world, to cause impact. And we're imagining the impact we could have in the community around us. Dorcas was having this kind of impact in the community around her. Because she understood that God changed her life. And so she was compelled to serve him in changing the life of others. It's not about us. It's not about us. 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1, verses 5 to 8, says, uh, says this. What, after all, is Apollos? Now, there's a bit of a split in the church happening. Some people are really excited about this guy, Apollos, one of the leaders. And other guys are really excited about this guy, Paul, one of the other leaders. And Paul himself writes this letter and basically says, what is Apollos, after all? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each of you a task. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Um, So neither he who plants nor the one who waters it is anything, but only God who makes things grow. God's doing the stuff. God's doing it. We just serve him and set the scene for him to do miracles. I don't know what the bigger miracle was. Him bringing a woman back to life in the temporal, or changing masses of lives for the eternal. Whichever it was, it was set up because she had a lifestyle of obedience and serving that came out of understanding her identity. Who are you? What have you been gifted to do? Who's your community that you're impacting? Do you have an understanding that's really, it's not about you. It's about what God's going to do through you. His glory might shine there. It's a great story. And I think Darian, my buddy in the hotel, who was talking to the, the janitor there, the hotel worker, he got this. He got that in this moment, at this time, Dan King doesn't matter. 
this person does because God gives a rip about his life and has called me to talk to him, says Darian. Maybe to plant some seeds of life because the guy knows there's a Christian meeting going on there. He knows who I am, Darian's thinking. I'm going to speak life to this person because he matters. You know, we've got an interesting congregation. Uh, this gathering called Encounter. It's one of three that meet on Sundays here at this church, at uh, this building that our church uses. Uh, one is in Traditions in the morning, Encounter here, and this evening another community called Thirsty happens. And there's an interesting dynamic because people are coming. God is drawing people because you guys are living, some of you are living this stuff out. And so God's drawing people here. Uh, I don't know if you were here last year or last week. 400 chairs in the room. 378, I think, filled. It's not a lot of wiggle room. Long weekend, there's more chairs open. We haven't even launched back to kickoff week coming next week yet. This place is packed out. Maybe some of us need to think about those who might be coming and say, I'm going to serve those who might come to encounter by leaving this gathering and deciding to go to Thirsty where there's lots of empty chairs. And so part of the way I'm going to serve my community and serve those who would come to this church is that I'm going to say, I'm not coming to encounter anymore. Instead, I'm going to make the choice to go to Thirsty now to open up seats so more people can come Sunday morning to hear about the gospel. If 40 of you would do that starting next week, brilliant. We'd have room in here and people wouldn't come in at the end and have to sit right up front. Sean, who really wants to do that? You know, His wife, perhaps, yes. Um, but you know what I'm saying? It's about thinking outside of just us. No, Dan. You don't matter right now. This person does. It's got implications for how we talk with people after the service, in the foyer, how we talk with people during the week. And Tabitha got it. Do we? Do we? And it all starts with Jesus. Jesus.